Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. God is love, but true love is just. True love does not favor. It is no respecter of persons. It is fair and righteous. True love corrects that which is wrong and protects that which belongs to it. God fights for your soul because he loves it. He corrects your prideful flesh because that it is the enemy of your soul. All the desires of it are meant only to destroy you. Therefore, whatever means are necessary to destroy it and humble you in this life that you might be saved from the judgment of the next one is a worthy effort, however unpleasant. Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 23 gives us the words of God in this that it says, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God? And not that he should rather turn from his ways and live? My friend, I assure you of this, that God does not enjoy wrath. As many of us have heard our own parents say when correcting us, quote, this hurts me more than it hurts you. So in like manner does judgment grieve the heart of God. Nevertheless, it would be better to spank a child that keeps running towards a busy highway until he be humbled into obeying your words not to than to allow him to continue to his own sure demise. In this same manner does God have to resort to wrath when the prideful refuse to heed his warnings and not only continue running full force to their demise but also take others with them. In this we see many times that God has had to bring harsh judgments upon a nation or a people. So desiring is he to save their eternal soul from the judgment of eternal torment and destruction that he allows a temporary judgment to befall their flesh. Instead, you see, my friend, you are in a war, whether you realize it or not, and at the end you will be given over to the one that you served in this war. Whether that be to God for eternal reward and glory, or the devil for eternal damnation and torture, for you have chosen your side. Though God does not enjoy doing so, sometimes his greatest mercy in this life is to give you a taste of that war, that you might truly see the character of those that lead it in the Spirit. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 says this, Know ye not, that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, then his servant you are to whom you have obeyed, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. The reality is this, and I don't think anyone would refute it, that war is an ugly thing. And the forces that provoked that war 
are the same forces that provoke your soul to sin unto damnation as a weapon of warfare against your creator and father who loves you. Yes, God enacts wrath, but it is not who he is, it is only what he does, not because he wants to, but because he has to. So when we force his hand and wrath comes, we can be assured that it hurts him more than it hurts us. For he does love us more than we love him. This is why, through it all, his hand is stretched out still. If you will but humble yourself and take it. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 11 we read, this account of another time in history when the reality of this spiritual war that has been happening began to manifest in the physical reality around the children of Israel because of their constant obedience and allegiance to those evil spirits who began this war in the heavenlies. You see, my friend, that when you move in selfishness and agree with sin, you have joined the enemy's forces against the true God and King, who has already pronounced and announced the end from the beginning that he will win this thing. Do you believe? Then take his mercy, because the reason we are on this earth is to see if we truly trust him. There was already once a rebellion in heaven and a war, and he is not interested in taking more selfish, self-willed rebels into his kingdom. Don't let the enemy deceive you, my friend. Take God's hand and be grateful for his mercies. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 11, it says, Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of Rezin against him and join his enemies together, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. For all of this God's anger is not turned away, but nevertheless his hand is stretched out still. For the people still do not turn unto him, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. Therefore will the Lord have to cut off from Israel the head and the tail, branch and rush in one day. For the ancient and honorable, he is the head and the prophet that teacheth lies. He is the tail. For the leaders of this people have caused them to err. Because of it, they that were led of them are destroyed. Therefore the Lord shall have no joy in their young men, neither on the fatherless and the widow, for everyone has become a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaketh folly. And for all of this wickedness, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. For wickedness burneth as a fire, it shall devour the briars and thorns, and shall kindle in the thicket of the forest, and they shall mount up like the lifting up of smoke. Through the wrath of the Lord of hosts is this land darkened, and the people shall be as the fuel of the fire. No man shall spare his brother, and he shall snatch on the right hand and be hungry, and he shall eat on the left hand, and they shall not be satisfied. They shall even eat every man the flesh of his own arm. And Ephraim, Manasseh, and they together shall be against Judah. For all of this, the anger of the Lord is not turned away, but his hand 
is stretched out still. God, we know that you are a God that delights in mercy. Your mercies are new every morning, but you cannot endorse sin or wickedness for you are a God of holiness. Those that do know their God, they will be strong and do great exploits. But the one thing that the church has forgot is that God is holy and righteous. He is merciful to those who keep covenant with him unto a thousand generations, but he is fierce unto the prideful and the wicked, and he will set himself against them. They make themselves the enemy of God. According to scripture, they have joined forces with the other side of the fight. My friend, you claim the name of Christ, but do you actually even believe what he came to teach? That every word of the scripture is true, that there was a war in the heavenlies, that Satan and his angels were cast out of it, and that they came to deceive men and to steal, kill, and destroy them as a weapon of warfare against the God who created and loved them. We were created to be God's source of joy and his ally, but the enemy has weaponized us against the very God was willing to suffer and sacrifice and give his very life to redeem us and still we do not trust what he suffered and paid the highest price to teach us jesus came to demonstrate the words of god that they are true from genesis to revelations he came to be an example of it to you he came to prove that God really does know best. He is the word manifested in flesh. But just like the Israelites in this passage, we trust more in the vain words of men and false prophets who tell us what we want to hear. And all the while that they're tickling our ear, they're leading us head on into the enemy's traps and snares and causing us to join his fight against the kingdom of God. Many times while professing his name and claiming to represent him to the world. But in actuality, all we're doing is bringing shame and reproach on his name because we're not living the life. We're not shining the light. We're not being salt. We are not a reflection of the Christ that we are claiming lives on the inside of us. Did he teach us to sin? The scripture says no. Then why are you still in sin and claiming to be led by him? Does he teach us to rebel against God's teachings? To take matters into our own hands and become the masters of our own destiny, self-willed, prideful, arrogant, rebellious? No, that's not him. That's a description of the one who fell, of the one who deceives the nations. So who are you really following in this war in the heavenlies? Because, my friend, there is a humbling coming. God is going to show you the ugliness of this war. Because the church at large would not believe his words and take him at it. It's not his desire to do it this way. He told us and we had a choice to believe what he had to say. But too many have chosen to listen to the enemy instead. And so he's going to have to reveal it, shine a light on it, and let you see that enemy for what he really is. Manifest it through the men and women who follow him. And the warfare that the few faithful men and women of God have preached to us about in the spirit is about to become a whole lot more real, more physical. God's going to show you as a mercy, as a humbling. Thank him for it.
and break allegiance with the enemy. Choose ye this day whom you will serve, no more walking the fence. Pick a side. Are you for him or against? Are you a servant of obedience unto righteousness or of sin unto damnation? We don't get to create our own gospel. In the end, it's not our opinions that will judge us. It is the words of the book, what Jesus sacrificed and suffered to tell us. Do you even know it? Or have you trusted the words and interpretations of a wolf in sheep's clothing? On the final day, we won't be able to blame anyone else because it has been made available to us. It's up to you to pick up that book and read it and believe it. This war is older than we are, my friend. This war began when Satan fell as lightning. This war continued when he weaponized man against his creator in the garden. When we fell to his deceptions and devices, this war has continued through the ages when he tried to crucify Christ, but in actuality only ended up forfeiting his authority that he stole from man back into the hands of the second Adam, who then imparted it back to his children. Checkmate, we are back in a position to stand and profess and proclaim and take dominion of the land, both spiritually and physically, again. The problem is, is that the church doesn't really believe that we're really in this war. Therefore, do they forfeit their power and authority, their prayer and proclamation, their worship, their assembling together? They forsake these things that have such great power to dispose the enemy to the point at which they give him place because of their vacancy. And when this happens, the spiritual begins to manifest again in the physical and you begin to see wars among men. This, of course, will continue until the end when Jesus himself steps in to finish what he started. When he comes to crush the head of this serpent and cast him into the pit, the one who has deceived the nations, the one who still kills and destroys in every generation, the one whose time is short and running out because his sentence has already been decided and decreed and the time of its fulfillment and enactment is quickly coming because my friend in the end we do win. Choose to believe it now and take God's side or end up cast into the pit with him like those who chose the gods of Egypt rather than standing with the God who had already defeated it with Moses in the wilderness. The ground actually opened up and swallowed them. You see, before the moment that this happened, their sins had already been committed. They had been given space for repentance. The judgment against the sin had been decreed and declared by the king. And Moses stands there as an intercessor and says, okay, make your decision. There's a line in the sand. Choose your side of it. Those who are on God's side, come and stand with me. And those who choose to continue to serve selfishness, and sin, and wickedness, and mammon, and materialism, and all the gods of Egypt. Stay over there. And that's where we are right now in this dispensation of grace that we are in. The decree has been declared. Jesus has already defeated this enemy. His judgment has been given. Right now is the line in the sand, the great dividing, where we are being given time for repentance, 
And God is saying, choose your side. Because those who chose God's side and stood with Moses were saved when destruction came in a suddenly. And those who stood against this God of great mercy and grace who had given them such great space for repentance, though they did not deserve it, were cast into a pit, alive, where there was screaming and gnashing of teeth. This, my friend, is how the war ends. Believe the words of scripture. They have proven themselves true throughout history and even right now or unfolding before you. He tells us the end from the beginning. So great is his mercy and desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isaiah chapter 5 gives us an image of what the end of this war will look like. Starting in verse 14, we read this. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself, and opened her mouth wide without measure. And their glory, and their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoiced shall descend into it. And the mean man shall be brought down, and the mighty man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God that is holy shall be sanctified in righteousness. Then shall the lambs feed after their manner, and the waste places of the fat ones shall strangers eat. Woe unto them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were with a cart rope, that say, let him make speed and hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink intoxicating things. The men of strength that mingle strong drink which justify the wicked for reward. They say it's okay to sin because they're getting paid to do it. And in doing so, they take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their roots shall be as rottenness and their blossoms shall go up as the dust. Because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, they threw away the truth of the scriptures of God and even despised the true words of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them, and hath smitten them. And the heels themselves did tremble at this, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the street. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. And he will lift up a sign to the nations from afar. And he will hiss unto them from the ends of the earth, and behold, they shall come with speed swiftly. None shall stumble or weary among them, none shall slumber nor sleep, neither shall the girdle of their loins be loosed, neither the latch of their shoes be broken, whose arrows are sharp and all their bows are bent, their horses' hooves shall be counted as flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind, their roaring shall be like lions." They shall roar like young lions, yea, they shall roar, they shall lay hold of the prey, they shall carry it away, and none shall deliver it from them, and in that day they shall roar against them. 
like the roaring of a sea. And if one look unto the land, behold, darkness and sorrow and the light is darkened and the heavens thereof in the midst of it. This is the end of this great war when the armies of heaven are loosed upon the earth. Today is the day of salvation, my friend. Now is the appointed time. You have been given abundant grace. It's time to choose your side. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.